really glad you're here today. I, uh, I thought last week I would go to the Redskin game, get things straightened out. Didn't work out too well. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody can straighten that mess out, but <laughs> yeah, who's that? <laughs> get them out of here. I've already got two cowboy shirts up here. It's just about made me throw up. Oh my goodness, you need a life, honey, you need a life. <laughs> Maybe this message will help you. Uh, <laughs> Kansas City, though. Kansas City. Anybody know where that's at? <laughs> anyway, let's not talk about football because this is going to be a long year. Uh, if you're a guest today, we're really glad you're here and hope that you uh, sense God's presence and that you'll even come back again. You know, it was a wealthy man who went shopping for his wife's birthday. That's always a fun thing to do. And he was looking around. Uh, in the department store at the ladies' perfume, uh, perfumes when a sales lady came and asked if uh, she could help him. And he said, yeah, that he was looking for something for his wife's birthday. So she walked away and came back, and she bought a, brought back to, with, him, with her and gave to him a $50 bottle of perfume. And he told her, he said, that, that's just too much Please find something cheaper. And so she returned a bit later and she brought back a smaller bottle and that bottle was $30. And he said again that that was just too much. And next uh, she brought a very small bottle of perfume for $15. And by this time this wealthy guy was frustrated and he told her that he wanted to see something really cheap. And the clerk returned and she said to him, if you want to see something really cheap, look at this. And she handed him a mirror. <laughs> you know, uh, last week Gay shared an awesome message that uh, laid the foundation for living the blessed life. And today I want to start off this message, part two of our series, the last uh, message uh, before revival. I want to start asking, by asking you a question to see if you know how really, really blessed you are. Now, here's the context before I ask the question. I want to give you the context of the question. Did you know that about half of the people alive today, over 3 billion people in the world, live on $2 a day or less? That 3 billion people in the world live on $2 a day or less. So with that thought in your mind, do you really uh, recognize how really, really blessed you are? I mean, it, would you just raise your hand if you say, you know what, I recognize how blessed I am. Just raise your hand. Wow. Just about everybody in here, about 90%. That's pretty good. It's the best I've ever gotten. So you see, with that answer, there is some good news and some bad news. Now, the good news is God has blessed us, and we don't deserve it. Yet God has blessed us by his grace, and that is the good news. But here's also some not-so-good news, and the bad news is that the chances are that uh, you are uh, very good, the chances are very good that you are a below-average giver. You see, studies shows that as our income increases, the percentage of what we give goes down. Our income goes up, our giving goes down. And that's kind of messed up. Now, wouldn't you think the more blessed you are, the more generous you would be? 
Now, studies have discovered that as income increases, the percentage of what people give actually goes down. Now, in the United States, the average person with an average income, and, and probably includes many of us here, many online today, that uh, an average income, uh, with an average income uh, in America, that person gives about 3.1% of what they earn annually. They give that away to charities. Now, we're not just talking about church, but 3.1% to all charities, including the church. But now those whose annual income is under $10,000 a year, right uh, well below the line of poverty, they don't give 3.1%, they give 5.2%. Now they live, in, they live in poverty, but they give away 5.2% uh, of their income where the average giver gives away 3.1%. And again, that seems messed up. Now those with... Uh, with, with less, give more. Now, another really messed up fact is that uh, those who are extremely blessed, those who earn over 200000 a year, their giving is actually 0.07%, less than 1%. Now, here's something else that's messed up in America. I believe it is anyway. If you're a below average giver, you're most likely an above average spender. If you're a, a below average giver, you're most likely an above average spender. Not only are you above average spender, but you've also learned how to spend more than you make. Evidenced by credit card debt at all time high in America. You see, not only is that messed up, but you know, when we spend more than we earn, I mean, I guess we take our lead from the government, uh, not only is that messed up, but it's messing up your life. It's messing up your relationships with others, and it's messing up your relationship with Christ as well. You see, the more we make, the less we give. Now, here's what I hope you will understand. I know we're talking about giving, and some of you don't like that, and it kind of gets under your skin and all that, but, you know, it is in the Bible. It is something that we do need to talk about in the church. And, and, but here's what I hope you understand as we're talking about uh, uh, talking about the blessed life through our giving. Here's what I think God is actually looking to see if he can trust you with even more blessings. We're all blessed. We all recognize that we're all blessed. We, many of us, most of us, raised our hand and said we are blessed. But I think that, that God is looking uh, to see if he can trust us with even more blessings than what we learned from the foundation that uh, Gay laid last week. He wants to know if we're going to be faithful. God wants to know if you will love and trust money or if you will love and trust God. Where do you put your trust? Do you put your trust in money or do you put your trust in God? You see, God wants to know if you will trust him. So how do I know that? Because Jesus said that. That's what the Bible says. Let's read this scripture uh, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if, I, so if you have not been trustworthy in handling word, worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Now we're not just talking about money. We're talking about who will trust us with true riches of life. 
Doesn't it sound like to you that Jesus wants to see if he can trust us with the blessed life? When you read that scripture, when you think about that scripture, because he said that himself. You see, God knows that money, God knows that money is the number one reason we're not willing to completely surrender our lives to him. You see, he knows that we're not living the abundant life that Jesus came to give us because we're not willing uh, uh, to surrender completely to God because we're trusting our money more than we're trusting him. You see, we don't have a money problem in America. We don't have a money problem in the church. We have a heart problem in America. We have a heart problem in the church. You see, in the church, money is the number one competitor for our hearts. Money is the number one competitor for our hearts. Therefore, money is the number one reason we don't live an even more blessed life than we're already living. That we're just getting by at, from paycheck to paycheck, hoping that we're getting by from paycheck to paycheck. And that's why we have our credit cards maxed out to uh, the max. It's the number one reason money is that we don't live the even more blessed life. You see, money has become a counterfeit God. Now, money promises us only what God can provide to us. It, it promises only what God can provide. There are four things that money promises, but only God can provide. Money, number one, promises security. The more money I have, the more secure I will be. I, I, I'm saving, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to, to accumulate wealth because I want more security in my life. If you have more, you'll be more secure. Money promises freedom. If you have more, then you'll be free. You won't be bound up, you'll be free. Money promises power. If I have enough money, then I'll be more powerful. Money promises significance. If I have enough, then I'll be important. Look at me, I've got money, I've got things, I have significance because I have all this in my life. Now, now, you see, that's messed up because in reality, only God can provide security. You know, you can have a million dollars in the bank and your child comes up with cancer. How secure are you? How secure will that money make you in life when life falls out, when things go crazy in your life? But yet we think money will make us secure. You see, if you have more money, you'll have more power. But the reality is God is the only way that we can have real freedom and real power and true significance. So money is a counterfeit God. Money wants, to money wants us to love it. Money wants us to worship worship it. Money wants us to surrender to it. Our money wants us to bow down to it and worship it and surrender to it and love it. That's why Jesus said no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now that's interesting. You cannot serve both God and money. God knows that money is a counterfeit God. And so the question that we all have to ask and is, are you going to love and trust money or are you going to love and trust God? Now, that being said, most of us would say, 
online and even in here. Most of us would say, buddy, I don't love money. I don't love money. And I believe we really believe we don't love money. But let me ask a question. I hope you will answer it honestly. I had one little boy last night raise his hand and answer it honestly. He's the only one to raise his hand. You don't have to raise your hand if you don't want. But how many of you think if you had just a little more money, I mean, if you just had a little bit more money, then, then your life would be a little bit easier and you would be a, just a, a tad bit happier. I mean, so, so, I mean, what I'm saying is life would be better if you just had a little bit more. Or if you just had a little bit more money, life would be easier. How many of you really believe that? Thanks for a few honest ones. I'm not saying you're not honest. <laughs> Look at what the Bible says. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves money never has money enough. This is from Ecclesiastes, and this was from the wealthiest guy ever. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Wow, what, whoever loves money never has enough. And, and if you think that if you had just a little bit more money, that life would be a little better and it'd be a little easier, and man, the pressure would be off. No doubt God wants us to know if we will love and trust money, wants to know if we love and trust money, or will we love and trust God with our whole heart? God wants to know that. God is searching this morning. That's why I laid this message on my heart, because he wants us to truly answer that question. Will we love and trust money? Or will we love and trust God? You see, will you surrender to the counterfeit God of money or will you surrender fully to God? You see, if you want to, to totally surrender to God and live an even greater blessed life, you need to say to him today, and, and I got it on the board, God, I give you my first and my best. I give you my first and best so you can bless the rest. And we're going to talk more about that. I mean, if you're saying, if you're to that point today where you say, I want to love and trust God more than I love and trust my money, then you have to come to that point where you say, God, I give you my first and I give you my best and you can bless the rest. Now let's talk about the tithe. What does the Bible say about the tithe? Now the Hebrew word for the, for the tithe means a tenth. The Bible says a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord, it is holy. Now, what does that mean, that it's holy? It means it's set apart, it's set apart for God. Now, if we're, if we're not giving the tenth, then what we're doing is spending holy money. Because that money has been set aside for God. It's holy. It's been set aside for him. You see, tithing, a tithe is everything, a tenth of everything that you earn. You see, tithing is not only, not even really giving. Tithing is not even really giving. It's returning to God what belongs to God. You see, when the Bible says bring the tithe into the storehouse, it doesn't say give to the church. It says, I'm bringing what is God's into the storehouse, entrusting those who he has put in leadership to be good stewards of that which you have brought into the storehouse. And, and it's not what we give, it's what we bring. 
because it's not really ours. We bring it and return it because it's not ours. God owns everything. God owns everything. And he asked that we only give him 10% back. Now, that, now let's look at the blessing of the tithe. First of all, the tithe provides for God's work through his church. Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now the storehouse has always been the Old Testament picture of the New Testament church. The storehouse has always been the Old Testament picture of the New Testament church. Bring the whole tithe into the house of God. Why? So that there may be food on my table or in my house. So there may be food in my house. Now, when you, when you give in the offering today, when you put your tithe in the offering, your 10%, when you give a tithe in the offering, you brought your tithe into the house of God. And because of that, people this weekend are receiving spiritual food from the Word of God. I mean, we got children today that are receiving spiritual food from the Word of God. We've got teenagers over on this side of the building, and they're receiving spiritual food from God. we got people online that are receiving spiritual food from God, and hopefully you're receiving spiritual food from God, and that happens because you brought your tithe to the storehouse. Let me tell you, this building just didn't pop up out of the ground, and the government didn't pay for it. This building is being paid for and has been paid for. This ministry has been funded. Those chairs that you sat in, I can remember back to the day we built this big room and had no chairs for it. And people gave and they tithed so that you could come in today and sit in those comfortable chairs and we have the lights on so that you can, the, the, the message can be put forth and that you can receive spiritual food and encouragement today because somebody paid their tithe. Somebody gave their 10%. They brought it back to God and gave it to God, put it uh, in the storehouse so that there would be spiritual food. You know, people who tithe this past year, over the last year, uh, we've, we've given away over 300 salvation bracelets. I mean, that's how many we've, we've bought and, and, and replaced at, at the end of the services over the last year. We've been able to serve missions all over our community, serving the needs of people. We've paid electric bills. We've paid water bills. We've helped people get food. We've helped people with their rent. All because people tithe. I don't know where people come up with all this stuff about the tithe and all this stuff about the church and money. It won't happen unless we bring what's God's back to God's house so God can use it to minister to our community and our world and to each other. It doesn't just pop in here. It's because faithful people, we've supported Livingston Elementary School when they needed our help. You see, beyond book bags, beyond all those things that we brought in, we've helped them where we can. You see, because you tithe, we've helped plant churches in Virginia, brand new churches, that we've given a portion of what's come in. We've helped college students the, the, to find a, a, a um, scholarship through our giving to Eastern Nazarene College a little bit. Because you've tithed, we've been able to support missionaries in 160 world areas every week. We send a portion of what comes in out, and it goes all around the world to missionaries all around the world. Every week. Every week. 
every week. We do that whether we have the money to pay the bills, whether we have the money to pay anything. It's our tithe. We give it away. 15% every week. Comes right off the top. Right, Howard? That's a business manager. Sometimes we don't want to. But we know we need to. We provide retirement to pastors who have served their whole life for a little bit of nothing and had no retirement. Every week, a little bit of what you give goes to that. A little bit of what you give every week. Look what's happening in Port Harcourt, uh, Port Harcourt Nigeria because you brought the tithe into the storehouse. Eleven years ago, Buddy and I started training for John Maxwell's organization Equip in Nigeria. After about two years of going twice a year, we felt God calling us to do more for the city of Port Harcourt. So out of obedience, we started a ministry center there to meet the needs of the street kids. So we want to share with you the most recent monthly report from James and Charity so you can hear firsthand how a portion of what you give in the offering today is accomplishing our vision to reach people. Charity writes, We started a once-a-month reading skills program with a junior soccer team so they can acquire skills to be enabled to read the Bible. We had an outreach program to a school in Ogoni located in a remote village in River State. We used the solar video equipment that you sent to show the Jesus film in Ogoni language. We had 257 students in attendance and over 200 students gave their lives to Christ. James has been running a training, Winning with People, for the Evangelical Church of West Africa. We've since had another program for children and youth on the 28th of July. Please pray for us. Praise the Lord. People are drinking clean water in Nigeria because people here gave. We have four wells now that we put in the city of Port Harcourt. It's a devastating place to go. It's, not a, it's an unsafe place to go. But because people give every month, we send, I think, $1,800 a month. And so much is happening in Port Harcourt, Nigeria. And we never miss paying that. We've also provided Bibles to a church in India in their own language. And they were so excited about it. And the list goes on and on with the ways we've been able to minister to others here in Fredericksburg, in Virginia, in the U.S., and around the world. We've done all this with a tithe from less than 20% of the people that attend here. Less than 20% of the people tie here at Salem Fields. Can you imagine? Can you even imagine what we could do if every person at Salem Fields brought their tithe back to the storehouse? Can you imagine the lives that we could impact? Can you imagine the children we could touch here and around the world? If all of us would do what God requires of us to bring the tithe to the storehouse? The tithe is 10%. The tithe teaches me to put God first. The Living Bible says the purpose of the tithe is to teach me to put God first. In my opinion, there's not a more practical way where we can actually put God first, where we make a conscious choice to put God first than when we bring the tithe to the storehouse. If he doesn't have the tithe, then he doesn't have our hearts fully. 10%. That seems messed up. 10%. Wow. When you, when you sit down, I understand. When you sit down and you look at your finances and you look at your life and you say, wow, I've got all this. It's crazy, buddy. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's crazy. I can't do it. And I say you cannot not do it. If you want to live the 
blessed life. The fully surrendered life. You see, because, because if you do that, you will have to rearrange and reprioritize your spending. And that, that would cause you to have to make some major changes in your life if you want to fully surrender to God. You, you, you might have to give up your Starbucks grande, whatever. And you might have to get a 7-Eleven. Or go to McDonald's. If you're a senior at McDonald's, 69 cent, baby. <laughs> Wendy's, senior coffee, free. I got that senior stuff down. <laughs> you may have to cut back to basic cable. Man, would that be a shame. Or drive a car that's a little older than what you desire to drive. Or you might have to buy your clothes at Walmart. Or you may have to give up your NFL package. Oh, my gosh. You mean I can't watch but one game at a time? I know you ticked off that when I started talking about that NFL package. No, seriously, you may have to rearrange. You may have to reprioritize your life around God. But if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all things that we need will be provided to our life. All things, not our greeds, but all of our needs will be added unto us if we put God first in every area of our life, including our finances. And we struggle, struggle, struggle. You see, the tithe teaches me to put God first. The tithe increases my faith in God. When we tithe, we learn that 90% with God's blessing goes further than the 100% without it. So you can do it on your own, take the whole 100% and do it on your own. Where does that got you? Or you can take the 90% and let God bless that and see where it takes you. You see, the tithe teaches us to trust God. It builds your faith. The tithe is the only place in Scripture where the Bible says we can test him. God allows us to test him with money because he wants you and I to learn to trust him with our whole life and to find out how good God really is and if God is really telling us the truth or not. We must not believe it. You know, it never ceases to amaze me that we will put our faith in the fact that God sent his son, that he died, he was in the grave for three days, and he rose again from the dead. We believe that and we accept that and we think that if we believe that and it's true we do we're going to go to heaven but we don't put our trust in the fact that we'll just bring back 10% that he's his that's his that he'll bless our life we don't believe that but we believe salvation Malachi 3.10a says, God says, test me in this, says the Lord Almighty and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much Somebody say it. Blessing. blessing. So much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. That's the even more blessed life than what you're living and what you raised your hand today. And people that tithe could come up here and they could tell you the same thing I'm telling you, that they're living the blessed life. You see, God wants us to test him. Now hear me when you hear this. I'm not saying if you tithe before you leave today that God's going to bless you with a new car or you'll have money to get that dream home or pay all your bills off and that you'll be able to eat of the best. You might, have to, you might want steak, but God will provide some hot dogs. You see, matter of fact, if you decide to test God today and you say, I'm going to tithe today, if you test God today, I'm going to tell you what, your car might... What I want to say is, you're going to make the devil as mad as hell if you make that decision. 
And when you drive off the parking lot today, the water pump may go out of your car. I'm going to tell you what, you may go home and the hot water heater has flooded your basement like I woke up to this morning. I'm telling you, the devil does not like it when people surrender their life completely to him and he will nitpick and try to pick at you and try to tell you you are stupid for giving back God what's his. God wants us to test him. But I'm saying, here's what I'm saying, but when you honor God with the tithe, God will prove himself faithful. God will prove himself faithful. He says, test me. A few years ago, we started doing what we called the 90-day tithe challenge. And you got that in your program today. You got that little card. Now, I want you to get it out even if you don't plan to use it, okay? Does everybody just take that out? And what I want you to do is, it's called a 90-day side challenge. Here's what we do. This gives you the opportunity to put God to the test. You say, I don't believe God will do it, but I'll be willing to test him for 90 days. Here's what you do. You fill out that little card, and you say, I'm going to test God with my tithe for 90 days. And if God doesn't prove himself faithful, I'm not talking about in your bank account. I'm talking about if God doesn't prove himself faithful, maybe that kid will get saved that you've been praying for. Maybe that job that you've been wanting will come along. Maybe your marriage, God will intervene in your marriage. And maybe God will help you get your finances in order. I know he will. But I'm saying if God doesn't bless your life, you just send an email to Howard at SalemFields.com and he'll send it all back to you within 30 days because we're probably going to spend it Monday. <laughs> but we'll send it back to you. You test God. Now we're going to take the offering in a little bit. There, there's pins in the back of the chairs. You just fill that out and you stick it in there and I promise you that we'll give it all back to you. You put God to the test because Gay and I believe you will see the hand of God working in your life in ways you've never experienced before. Here's something I want you to hear. Every time I talk about the tithe, I get an email or two or somebody fills out their card when I talk about money and says all this stuff. So I'm going to save you the time, okay? You don't have to send an email. Pastor Buddy, this is a 10, this 10% thing is messed up because the tithe is under the law. Well, Here's what you need to understand. The tithe predated the law. Abraham tithed the Melchizedek 400 years before the law. Now, in the New Testament, in Matthew 23, 23, and I'm not going to read that, Jesus plainly affirms the tithe in the New Testament. You can read that for yourself. You see, the, the tithe uh, as a law has gone away. The tithe as a principle is still in practice. You see, in the New Testament, it was only the starting point. The tithe is only the beginning point. Just to make a point, in the New Testament, the standard always goes up. The Old Testament has a standard. In the New Testament, Jesus take, takes it up a step. It goes up a cog. I think my insurance company's calling me about my hot water heater. I feel it buzzing. But just to make a point, the, uh, the Old Testament says don't murder. In the New Testament, Jesus says don't hate. You see how it goes up? The standard went up. The Old Testament says don't commit adultery. In the New Testament, Jesus says don't lust. It goes up. The standard goes up. Old Testament says tithe. The New Testament says give me your whole life. Give me everything. See how the standard goes up? 
It includes everything. The tithe is just a starting point. Tithing breaks the grip of materialism and, and trust in money and all that stuff. And tithing breaks that. Here's what we give. We give our first and best to God so he can bless the rest. It's an act of faith and worship, which is actually how God gave to us when he gave Jesus, his own son, to us. We give our first and best. Jesus, the Bible says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops, and your barns will be filled to overflowing. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, no doubt, no doubt, Lord, today that there are many here, at least maybe 20% of the people here understand the principle of the tithe. And God, I just pray that you would continue to bless them and pour out your spirit upon them. And God, I, I just pray, Lord, that you will just, Lord, Speak to the heart of that one that's struggling. Lord, I know for some, God, it must be just tough to think about this. So God, will you just speak to us today? Will you help us to put you to the test? God, I just know there are people here today that want desire more of you. They want more of you. God, they're frustrated in their relationship with you. And God, we half-heartedly serve you. So I just pray for everyone, Lord, whether online, in the cafe, or in this room today, that God, you would remove all guilt, that no one would feel under compulsion to give or to test you, but God, that they would decide in their own hearts cheerfully to test you. So Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in these closing moments. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to stand in worship and the guys are going to, and ladies are going to take the offering. And if you filled out your tithe card, uh, you could drop that in. We'll send you a little encouragement along the way. When it's over, we're not going to call you up and say, hey, keep going. <laughs> We're not going to do anything but encourage you along the way. I promise you that, okay? An email, a note, or something along the 90 days just to encourage you. Whatever you decide to do, may God bless you in your decision as we worship together. Mm -hmm.